Hello and welcome to Living Abroadcast, the podcast about where people are from, how they got here, and what they're doing now. My name's Eric, and I am uh, flying solo tonight in the hosting chair. Um, I'll just uh, leave a dead silence for a moment for my co-hosts who are not here tonight. And uh, that's the last you'll be hearing from them. James, as uh, we've talked about a few for a few weeks now, is uh, no longer with us. May he rest in peace. And uh, Mikey may soon be joining him. Um, he has fallen under the weather and let me know tonight that unfortunately he couldn't uh, make it to the show, but that's okay. Um, we've still got our guest in tonight, and uh, we've got Jack joining us. Hi, Eric. Hey, Jack. <laughs> yeah, um, back in the Mount Pleasant studio. Um, we, we've said many times that we're not going to paint the picture of uh, our recording situation tonight, but we're looking at a pretty stunning Tuesday evening here in uh, Mount Pleasant. Got the view out as normal, um, unlike last week where we did it in Mikey's apartment. And uh, Jack, Mikey lives on um, Commercial Drive, a little a little bit further south in an area uh, formerly known as Kensington Cedar Cottage. I'm familiar. Yeah, you're familiar? Yeah, I'm indeed. And uh, he lives about uh, two meters uh, his living room window from the SkyTrain. Uh, I bet so you can feel it rattle coming past. We did. Um, we thought <laughs> we thought that it would pick up on the microphones last week um, when we recorded at Mikey's house, but we, we like offered some space to hear it. Like, oh, here it is, listeners. You couldn't fucking hear it on the microphones. So um, I apologize for the awkward spots where we commented on the SkyTrain whirring by the window, but. Uh, I mean, I live 15 blocks away from it, if not further, and I can hear that from my house. Yeah. Railing away. It's a loud train. I mean, they built it in the 80s, so what better, um, what could you, more could you expect from it? But uh, yeah, other than that, um, it's just me here with our lovely guest this week. We'll uh, skip the preamble um, as uh, there's, it would just be me talking to myself. But um, yeah, we've got my friend Jack. Um, I know Jack through kind of a few different people. My girlfriend used to work with his girlfriend and him briefly as well. So now you're here. That's it. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. And yeah, we met. Must have been about two years ago. Yeah. Around yeah. That. Around two years ago, probably around the same time I met Larissa, which was Shortly after, uh, can I say her name? Yes. I'm sure she course. doesn't mind. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's around the same time I met Larissa. Um, shortly after, anyways. Well, we'll mention her again later on in the podcast. I'm sure she'll come up. She's the link between us and this Kai. And yeah. Yeah, just through me working, yeah? Yeah. And purebred. Yeah, our friend Kai is no stranger to this show. Shouts out High Wasted Gene. Have you been to a High Waisted Jean show yet? I can't uh, remember. I haven't yet. No, no. I really want to get to one. You got to check out Jean. Yeah. I, um, I shout Kai slash Jean out every episode because I know that whenever we bring his name up, he listens to the show. So I'm just trying to <laughs> boost that listener count. So he will be listening in then. Yeah. yeah I always good. let him know that when, uh, when his name is brought up. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, if there were some Gene shows coming up, I'd shout those out too. But uh, I'm not sure if there are on the calendar as of right now. But I'm sure we'll hear. When you'll hear about it up. on this show when there's more high-waisted Gene to be seen. Um, but yeah. So, Jack, um, 
we'll cut the bullshit. Uh, where are you from? I am from central England, uh, a city called Birmingham. Okay. Yeah, it's um, it's a, a big city, second biggest in England. Um, I'd say similar in size to Vancouver and like the metropolitan area. Okay. So. Cool. So um, roughly ge- geographically, where is that in England? It's about an hour and a half north of London driving. So kind mm-hmm. of in between Manchester and London, smack bang in the center of the country. Okay. Right in the center. And um, as a, as kind of a whole, how, how is Birmingham thought of uh, by the rest of England? Um, not very highly. No? No. We get voted the most stupidest sounded accent. It's got a bit of a reputation for being a bit of a concrete jungle. Okay. But it's kind of changed over the past 15 years. It's always been regenerated. It's always been redeveloped. It's a beautiful place. That's great. So you got a lot of hometown pride still. And I got to say, I disagree with the whole accent thing. I think you've got a lovely accent. Well, I usually get, are you from New Zealand or Australia? Really? Quite a lot. Yeah. That one comes up quite a lot with people who aren't familiar with it, so... I don't hear that at all. I mean, it's un- unmistakably a British accent from what I can hear. But uh, who am I to say? Well, that's it. There's not really many other people in the public spotlight with this accent, apart from, say, Ozzy Osbourne. He's yeah? The, he's the closest reference point. And is, is he from Birmingham? He is indeed, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. He's been in the news lately, too. What's he been doing now? Um... It's actually more a matter of what he hasn't been doing. He just canceled a big world tour uh, that he had scheduled. He's not doing very well health-wise either, though. Yeah, he's old. He's partied a lot. He looks I mean, like he could do with a, a bit of an extended break. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if it's for, like, financial reasons, if he's partied too much earlier and now he's just kind of trying to get some retirement funds together or something because... I'm sure Sharon will be wheeling him out to get some yeah, more money. he's... Uh, He's been doing some interesting career moves. He just recently featured on a Post Malone song. Really? You hear that? Yeah. I need to check that out. <laughs> it's a good song, but a uh, little odd. I mean, it's a little like kind of rap metal. Um, it's it's a little, lot of fun, but then like he's also pretty publicly announced that he's been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and is still doing all these public appearances where it's very noticeable and it's actually kind of sad to watch. Yeah, I can imagine it is. The last I saw of him, they're um, putting a new tram system in mm-hmm. in that in my home city, and they've named one Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, what? And That's he, awesome. He went to the unveiling of it, and it was pink. Yeah. And he was like, I'm the prince of fucking darkness. Why is the tram pink? <laughs> That's but really that's, funny. Yeah, that's Birmingham. Yeah. Is he going to do any of like the voiceovers for the train? Kind of like uh, how Seth Rogen did that here on their transit oh, for a God. while? Yeah, that would be fun, wouldn't it, if he did oh, that? That. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be good. Do you do an Aussie impression at all? Um, no, I can't. Not very good. Probably as no. good as your Seth Rogen one. Okay. Yeah. Get off the bus. <laughs> Get to the back of the bus. Yeah. Not very good at all. Sorry for your ears there, listeners. That's really funny, though. Is So is he the biggest celebrity claim to fame? Birmingham does. Tolkien as well. J.R. T- Tolkien. Oh, damn. Yeah. 
I think he based a lot of his inspiration around Birmingham. The two towers is the Edgebaston Water Tower. And wow. then, yeah, the Clent Hills around the city. Um, it's a beautiful area for how industrial the city is. I, when I go back there, I'm always surprised at how green it actually is mm. as well, which is always interesting because I always thought of it as being a big kind of concrete jungle as well. Yeah. Maybe that was other people projecting that on me. So what is the big industry in Birmingham then? We keep talking about it being an industrial place, but... It was known for... It's known as the city of a thousand trades, so it used to do everything. Um, Jewellery, gun making. There was a big automotive industry. Um, That's all kind of moved out now. So it's kind of like an industrial... It went through an industrial decline during the 80s. And has it had a lot of revitalization kind of in that post-industrial period or? Yeah, I mean, there's kind of like fancy condos. The universities have grown. Mm -hmm. I think it's more of a university city now as opposed to it being a working city as it used to be. But, oh God, I haven't been. I didn't live there for eight years prior to moving to Canada. Okay. So it kind of changes every time I go back home. It's kind mm-hmm. of hard to keep up with it. Wow. So what what was it like? So you said you didn't um, kind of live there in the later parts before you uh, you moved here. But uh, what was what was childhood like growing up there then? It was yeah, it was great. I mean, I just kind of grew up in uh, a small suburb about yeah. five miles south of the city centre. So. It was easy enough to get into town. It was easy enough to get out of town. I had school down the road. I could walk to school. My nan lived around the corner. So my childhood was great. It was the period when kids used to play out. Yeah. Smartphones. So, yeah, it was a great time growing up there. That's awesome. And so um, then you grew up and then you moved somewhere else in England. Yeah, when I moved out, I would have been um, 18. I was going to university and I got in at the last minute. It was all kind of really slapdash how I got into university. I got through clearing. It's when you don't have enough UCAS points to get into your chosen university. Okay. And I managed to get into one. And in, in a space of a week, I was up in this university town I moved to a city called Sheffield, which is in Yorkshire. So it's about yeah. about an hour and a half drive again up from Birmingham. And in that space of a week, I was like, well, I'm at university now in halls. Just crazy. <laughs> so Sheffield. Sheffield is a place that I've heard a lot of third-party kind of remarks about. Good or bad? <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm laughing while saying this, so I'm not sure if they're necessarily good. But um, one of the f- most like funnest people I've ever partied with was very proudly from Sheffield. A buddy, Tom, I met uh, while traveling in Asia. Okay. Very proudly from Sheffield. He's off in Australia now. I think he lives in Sydney. But um, a very hard drinking man. Well, it's another one of those towns, It's as you can imagine, in the north <laughs> mm-hmm. of England... It has, the people are brilliant. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a great place. 
and good pubs. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that it's known for. Nice real ale. Yeah. yeah. And just great people. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then the kind of reputation it had from other Brits, whenever they would, uh, they would hear he was from Sheffield, they'd all kind of roll their eyes. Uh-oh, he's from Sheffield. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. But, yeah, my experience up there, I... Well, I went to university, mm-hmm. I studied up there for four years and then just stayed. I loved it up there. I managed to find a job, a, a great group of friends and who are still my friends now who actually mm-hmm. moved to Canada with me as well. So I made friends for life from there and who still live there to this day as well. So it's got a special place in my heart. Yeah, kind of like your second hometown almost. Well, I mean, your, your college town is always, you kind of, I feel like people kind of adopt it as their second town. Well, that's it. Like in the same way as Vancouver feels like home now, it's when you live somewhere, work somewhere, yeah, make friends and forge a relationship with that place, you kind of adopt it as your own. Like, and yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what'd you study there? I did photography, of all things. I, oh, um, yeah. Cool. I, um, I, I did like a year's course, like a media extension it was called. Mm-hmm. And then that got me on to do photography. I used to, yeah, yeah loved being in the dark room, working with like analog materials. and Very cool. Yes. Yeah, it was a long time ago now. I uh, haven't yeah. picked up a camera for a while, so should dust it off that's all right i i'm kind of the same way i don't have an education in photography but our uh former host uh james got a degree in photography as well you keep you say former host does he oh he um he's uh not continually hosting the show anymore it's on very good terms okay we talked about it a few episodes ago way off into the distance oh, okay but um yeah he uh he uh, got his education in photography as well. I'm going to get so much shit for this. I am forgetting his town name in England. I'm going to phone a friend right now and quickly text Mikey. <laughs> Where's James from in England? Um, but anyway, I might even edit this part out. But anyways, um, you said it was a bit of a scramble to kind of find somewhere to go to university. But uh, was photography always what you wanted to take? Yeah, I am... Um I kind of I studied like media at college and arts and I just loved the medium and it was just what I wanted. I wanted to study something that I enjoyed as opposed to kind of, it sounds silly now because I wish I would have done something where I could have got a concrete career out of and dedicated myself towards, but I just enjoyed and loved doing photography. So that's what I did. Looking back now, it's a lot of money for, and like a lot of debt incurred for studying. But I don't regret it just for the people I met and the, yeah, the relationships are forged with friends who I've got for life. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So how, how long were you living in Sheffield then? You did your degree and you finished a degree there? Yeah, I finished my degree and then I did another four years after there, so... I lived in Sheffield up until January 2016 when I got my visa to come to Canada. Awesome. Were you working in photography in any capacity after university or? No, no. No, 
No, one it of those was, ones. It's like a Mickey Mouse degree. It's, that's yeah. Like, <laughs> I should have got just a signed toilet paper. It was, yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't pursue anything after, but that was my no. my fault. But I was working in um I was working with people with learning disabilities out in the community, being doing support work, which was really fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was a great job. Yeah. Like, could be could be the best day going to the football or the cinema, or it could be a completely mad scramble day, stressful. You didn't know cool. what you was gonna get, and I kind of enjoyed that. So yeah. yeah, I I love a job with an element of unpredictability to it. Yeah, um, doing what I formerly did, um, what Mikey still does. That was always my favorite part of it. Is you don't know who was gonna be with you that day, who you were gonna be showing around from where in the world That's they were gonna it. be from. Definitely, uh, definitely, kind of why we do what we do here in some capacity. But um, what, what made you want to work with the people with um, learning disabilities and stuff? Was, did you just sort of fall into it or was it no, something you pursued? I had, um, I had a really close friend um, and he was doing the job at the time and he was really enjoying it and told me about all the benefits of it. And yeah, like he pretty much got me the job. He spoke to his boss and was like, you can get your starting as soon as you finish your mm -hmm. studies. And I was kind of out of school, no job, looking to work full time and yeah, just got straight into it. Very cool. Very cool. So um, throughout your kind of upbringing in England, university and after that and everything, was living abroad something you had in your mind that you wanted to do at some point? Was, was England a place you always wanted to leave or was that idea kind of did that come up later on um it wasn't there during my childhood but through my late teens I definitely wanted to kind of get out for a, a year or two at the very least just to experience somewhere new and yeah try a different culture try yeah try a new just a new way of living basically um, and and I was thinking maybe Europe, mm -hmm. but I I didn't have any other language skills. Yeah, and North America seemed like a a good fit. Um, growing up so close to Europe, did you did you travel around much growing up, or um, I didn't travel as such. I'd go because it's so close. You can yeah. fly Ryanair, EasyJet. You can get to European cities for a weekend you yeah. can go for one pound flights you hear popping up yeah, yeah. i flew to dublin for 10 pounds once it was yeah. just that's not even a cab fare here no like you know so it seems like silly to not go to these places when they're on your doorstep so definitely i went to like eastern europe and germany and france and those kinds of places but never for an extended period of time say like a month or two months or anything like that okay Cool. So you got to see, I mean, Europe. Um, did you go anywhere else outside of Europe? No, nowhere outside of Europe. Just um, I came to Canada, oh, must have been eight years ago. Okay. And that gave me the taste. So Nice. So what um, you said that it was kind of the language barrier. 
Um, was there any other particular reason why Canada was the choice? Did you know anyone who was already here or was, did you come over here with anyone? Yeah, the way it lined up was I had a friend, one of my close friends, Alex, who lives here still. He got his visa and he was like, I'm going. And I was like, I've always wanted to do that. I'm going to do it with you. So we kind of just, I followed his lead basically. And that was that. I, he got his. And then three months later, I was like, I've got mine. Let's do it. Let's, let's go. And yeah, it all fell into place at the, the right time. That's sweet. Yeah. Right here to Vancouver. Right here to Vancouver. Yeah, we um, I've got a good story. Actually, we flew to, well, we planned to come out in the November of 2015. Okay. But I, um, I didn't get cold feet. I just wanted to go back home for Christmas, tie everything mm -hmm. up at home, and then fly back in the new year. So we came out together, flew to LA. He carried on up. I flew to Chicago, then back home, and he came up here on his own, and then I flew back out in January. <laughs> so kind of. So you didn't even get to Canada. <laughs> you did L.A., Chicago, and back home. Yeah, we well, we we drove from yeah from L.A. to San Fran, and another one of our friends came. So it just turned into a bit of a, a holiday. That's awesome. Yeah. So did so you did L.A. and San Francisco for how long? A few weeks or. Yeah, it was, oh, it must have been 12 days. We drove from LA mm -hmm. and yeah, we went to, we took like the coastal road through Big Sur yeah. and then the, the scenic route. Yeah, yeah, I've never been down that way. I've always wanted to. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, we stayed in oh, the weirdest place. It was a town called Carmel. Okay. And it was famous for Clint Eastwood hanging out there. Huh. <laughs> and... The, the place we stayed was like, it was like a doll's house. It was weird. And there was three, oh, weird. three of us in this one room and I, I could not sleep. It was just, it, the, the vibe of the place was so no. weird. It was a strange place, but it was a fun trip. Did you ever see that video of Clint Eastwood talking to himself? No. It was that political video. And it was, I believe it was a pro... Mitt Romney was who what, ran against Barack Obama the second time, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, he, he was doing this video. He's a Republican and was sitting in a chair, sitting across from an empty chair, and he was pretending to interview Barack Obama, <laughs> just asking him all kinds of questions where it's like, you're making all of these promises, and how do you plan on uh, living up to them all? I can... Oh, what's that? You don't have an answer... <laughs> and when you talk about this creepy town, that's all I'm picturing it to well, driving into this fake like town and you just see Clint Eastwood sitting on his porch. Going to that town, it kind of makes sense now because when you say that, there was like portraits of him in bars and like weird cartoon oh. drawings. So I was like, what's the deal with Clint Eastwood in this place? And they were like, oh yeah, he hangs out and lives here. So he's probably been practicing that speech up the bar drinking. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Crazy old guy. Still makes decent movies, though. Um, but then you went to San Francisco, and then did you uh, spend any time in Chicago, or did you just fly through there? Oh, no. I spent about a week there and just saw the sights oh, and cool. ate pizza. And nice. Yeah. It was the, cold. Yeah. Deep dish pizza they're famous for there. Yeah. It was just so it was so heavy. I yeah. had the smallest one in, in, in probably Chicago, and I still couldn't finish it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, you got to stay warm through those brutal winters, right? So you, they just pack it in. Yeah. That's it. It's the windy city. Stay insulated. I've, uh, I've only spent one night ever in Chicago and that was, well, I mean, it doesn't even count. It was in O'Hare airport. Just um, a layover. Just a layover, yeah. My flight landed at like 1 a.m. Yeah. And my connecting flight back to Vancouver wasn't until 6.30 a.m. And then it got delayed three hours. So that. it was an all-nighter. Um, I talked about this on this show, but I used this website called sleepinginairports.com to uh, find the best place to lie down for the night. I had to do that in October, coming back from Cuba. I had... 14 hours in Mexico City airport and I was like I can't leave the airport there's no point so I was doing that trying to get comfy on benches finding the quietest yeah. corner to sleep in where there's an electrical plug to charge your phone at the same time that's always the balance isn't it we've talked about this on the show before too about what's your time threshold of a layover before you leave the airport Oh, I try not to, I always just try and fly direct as, yeah. and pay the extra money just to save the hassle. Of For real. Having to do that. So I am, um, this was a one-off though. I was, I stayed in Mexico City for three days and then I'd already done it then. So I was like, on the way back, I'll just deal with the, the brutal layover mm -hmm. and have a drink or two and yeah. just relax and Sometimes you need to get an extra visa even to leave the airport, depending where you are. Yeah, I but did, I didn't check into it. I was just like, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna rough it. Fair. Yeah, those those long layovers sometimes end up even costing you money too because you got to feed yourself and just the pure time. I mean, time is money. So airport food isn't cheap either. No, no, it's not good either. But uh, yeah. The one big one, and again, I've kind of talked about this before on the on here, but um, I had an 18-hour layover in Taipei, Taiwan once. Okay. And uh, so I, I left, um, got a bus that was only about 45 minutes into the city and had a whole day. Um, Taiwan was actually the third country I'd ever been to in my life. Good one, ticked off nice and early. Yeah, Canada, the United States, <laughs> Taiwan for 12 hours, walking go. around Taipei, walked up a mountain. Well, it's a small mountain right in the middle of the city. Nice. Um, saw the big tower they have there and uh, almost got a bus to uh, Shanghai Shack, I think it is, where they do the big thousand person changing of the guard. Nice. But uh, didn't quite have the time. But anyways, um, Chicago, you got too full off the pizza. And then uh, back home for Christmas, you said? Back home for Christmas, tied everything up and, yeah, booked my flight to come nice. direct to Vancouver this time. No turning back. It's, um, it's kind, of a, kind of a theme on this show, I feel, people coming to Canada in the middle of winter. And I don't know if you're just trying to, you know, prove yourself as a, as a Canadian right off the bat. I don't know if it makes it easier coming to Canada on a visa in the middle of winter, but Mikey came on Valentine's Day is his anniversary, he calls it. Um, James came sometime in January too, and it's Canterbury where he's from, by the way. Oh, okay. I just remembered. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, James. I had to rack my brain for a minute, but... Uh, it's quite a drive for me in English terms. Yeah. Three and a half hours. Oh That's my far. gosh. I'm not even back home in Kelowna in three and a half hours. <laughs> but anyways, um, 
Middle of winter, January, you came. Yeah, uh, you were saying it's got something to do with maybe proving a point about being hardy in the Canadian weather, but I think yeah. it's to do with the flight being 200 pounds. Oh, that's one also, way. yeah, probably, <laughs> probably very true. It's way fucking cheaper to fly here. That was the big thing. Yeah. It was like 215 quid. So I was like, at this price, yeah. I that is ridiculously yeah, cheap. That's such a, it was too good to say. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, I'm not working anymore. Christmas mm-hmm. is done. I'm gone. Yeah. We've actually uh, recently, or I, my brother was telling me, apparently flights to the UK are rather cheap right now again um, because of the old political thing <laughs> that's going on there right now. That's it. Yeah. Get the, uh, get the, get the flights while the, the pound's weak as well. Yeah. Yeah, that stupid pun, Brexit. Um, yeah, it's driving down the price price of airfare. I'd love to go to England. I haven't been yet, but uh, go now while the, the the prices are right. I know. I know. Maybe I will check yeah. out some cheap flights. I think you can get good ones in April, May. So. Yeah, yeah. So, what year was it that you arrived here? Then coming here in January, it was two thousand and sixteen. Two thousand and sixteen. Yeah. January the 15th or 16th, I think it was, 2016. All the 16s there. Nice. Nice. So um, you'd never been to Canada before. You chickened out the first time. Um, what was your first impression of Vancouver? I, <clears throat> I had a friend from university, mm-hmm. Tom, and he came and picked me up at the airport. It was pitch black. Yeah. And it was hammering it down with rain. So I couldn't see anything. Yeah. And he dropped me on Granville Street on a Tuesday at like 11 o'clock at night. And I was jet lagged. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> where am I? Granville Street on a Tuesday in the rain. Yeah, it was, I was just a bit, not like, oh, this is shit. What have I done? It was just too early to tell. I was just tired. Yeah. I just wanted to get to the hostel. And I was staying in, oh, where was it now? It's on Granville Street. Was it the same sun? The same sun. The yeah. same sun. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That yeah. is a uh, a common one. That's a classic. I think both James and Mikey started their uh, their Vancouver adventures here, or uh, there at the same sun. Well, I had a friend pick me up and he dropped me off because he was living in Northan. Yeah. And I had another friend whose brother was moving here at the same time and he'd been in Calgary and he messaged me saying we'll meet up and we'll go and like meet up in Vancouver and I'll stay in the same hostel as you so I met my friend Mark and we just got absolutely shit-faced drunk drank a bottle of his expensive whiskey he got at the airport and yeah from then on we just we was two peas in a pod from then perfect yeah that's always good to have a connection as soon as you uh you get to a city, hey? Well, that's it. And we we didn't hang out too much or too often back yeah. in England. And to have someone who was in the same boat as me, who was new, who was looking to get set up. Yeah. We kind of just was like, well, we'll move in together, which we did. Uh, yeah, and we just hung out together. And, like, we had, like, just the, the safety net of someone being there who was a friend as well. Yeah. Which was great. And yeah, we was roommates for two years until he went home. So that's awesome. Yeah. So you had a friend as soon as you landed. I mean, 
I don't have the experience. I've never truly lived abroad, but like even in my little trip to Europe this past fall, having a friend kind of upon arrival, someone especially who's kind of more open to uh, sharing a place with you, just kind of, or is in the process of like discovering a place for the first time. Well, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, gi- I'll give a shout out to my friend Chrissy and uh, I, she lives in Barcelona. Um, she's from the Okanagan like me, but uh, she had just moved from Madrid to Barcelona very shortly before uh, Sabine and I were over there and uh, she was just super excited to be in Spain. She'd been to Barcelona before, but she was living there and she's just like so stoked. So she kind of became our impromptu tour guide. Yeah, it's good for to our have time there. In yeah, a city like well, Barca's amazing as well. Such yeah, a cool it's such place. a fun city. Yeah, and having someone show you around just makes yeah, yeah, all the show you all the cool spots and it's not yeah. hard to find them on your own though there either. Nah. So it's, just go for just a go walk anywhere. And you find yeah, it. yeah. It's, it's amazing place. Yeah, yeah. So you met up with your friend Mark. Um, how long were you doing the hostel thing before you settled down, um, looking for a place to live? It was about two months. We was in the same sun for, I think we booked like, he booked the set because he was like, I booked the same time as you. And Mm -hmm. he booked like, we booked three weeks, but we lasted a week there because it was just too loud. So we moved to a quieter one, the high Mm -hmm. uh, that's on Burrard and Detno. It's on, it's around Davy Street. Yeah. Yeah. It's around that area. Hostel International. Yeah. So we moved up there and yeah, we just got cracking trying to find places to work, a place to live, mm-hmm. just trying to kind of put some roots down for the, the foreseeable during our visa spell, basically. Very cool. So what was the first kind of visa you, you got to come here? Just your two-year working holiday? Yeah, the IEC. Okay. Super easy to, well, I say it's, it's easy to fill out the forms, but the amount of places compared to people applying... Yeah, it's it can be quite competitive to get it. So you've got to be quite lucky, but it's easy enough to the process is easy enough. It's a little bit of a, a lottery system, right? Yeah. Kind of first come, first served. Nice. From what I remember it being. Yeah. You just had okay. to be waiting for them to announce when the places were going to be open and when you could apply. And it yeah. was like just waiting at the keyboard. Go for it. That's cool. So your first night in Vancouver, I'm smiling about that, actually, because I mean, I think you got the true Vancouver experience. I mean, it was pissing rain and you weathered the storm by getting drunk. Um, we went to Roxy as well. That's the Oh, truth. nice. <laughs> I've still never been there. Keep it that way. Yeah? It's not great. No. <laughs> we was, it was just next to the hostel, so we just stumbled in there. Just yeah. like, oh, God. Yeah. Still, still, I don't know if that's a Vancouver claim to fame. No, it's or a claim. Or just willful ignorance. I'm not sure. Um Claim of shame, that one. The yeah, the claim, claim of, of shame. shame. My my favorite Roxy story that I have third hand is again Mikey. I know I keep bringing these guys up, but Mikey cussing out some Vancouver Canucks players who were in there partying one night after they'd lost earlier that evening. Doesn't look good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> doesn't look good. You no. lose and then you're out drinking, yeah. having fun in town. Yeah. yeah, I think Mikey had been doing a lot of the same too, but yeah. uh, gave him what for. He probably paid hundred dollar for his ticket to watch him an yeah. hour before. I don't think he'd. I don't think he'd seen them, but uh, he he just saw the saw the guys in there. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So um, you were looking for work. What came first, a place to live or work? 
at work. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had another friend here from England who lived in Birmingham. We met through like going to gigs and stuff like that. John, yeah. who's another familiar. Yeah, I know John. Yeah, and he was like... I'll get can... him on here one day, maybe. <laughs> he was like, I can get you work tomorrow. Just come down to this address. Yeah. Speak to my manager, ask for this lady. She'll, she'll sort you out. And that day I went down to Purebred in Gastown and they pretty much hooked me up with a job there. And then they were like, come into, can you start? They said, can you start now? And I was like, oh. uh, no, <laughs> I want to yeah. just chill out <laughs> for today. I wasn't expecting that. And then, yeah, went back the next day and got hired pretty much on the spot. And that was that for... That's hilarious. Yeah. Good old purebred. I didn't realize that was your very first job. Yeah. So yeah. Um, for the listeners who are unfamiliar, purebred's a little bit of a Whistler slash Vancouver institution. They were started during the Olympics, I believe, at uh, Function Junction. I think so. yeah. Around the time of the Olympics anyway, up in Whistler. They opened a second location in the village and then expanded down into the city. It's uh, where my girlfriend worked for a handful of years. And again, how um, tangentially our guest is joining us. But uh, it's um, it's known for its uh, cornucopia of baked goods as a display as soon as you walk in there. Um, in my own personal opinion, the quality of those baked goods has gone down over the years. I think they've overexpanded. And so the product has taken a hit for it. I haven't eaten there for such a long time. It's, just, yeah. yeah. It was. I mean, maybe Purebred wants to sponsor this one day, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, sharing that opinion. But I didn't realize you got hired at Purebred right, right away. What'd they, uh, what'd they have you doing? Um, it was just Offered bait. you a job on the spot. Well, I had a trial shift and then it was yeah. the job. And then, yeah, it was just basically serving and barista in, making drinks, Cool. Doing the, the usual kind of like nice. coffee shop gig, but I really enjoyed it. It was perfect for what I wanted. Yeah. In a new place, there was plenty of like people of a similar age group working yeah. there. So it was good to meet people. I wanted a job that was kind of social and would like kind of expand my friendship group so I could meet people. Yeah. Which it has done perfectly. Hence Here, me being on this now. Pure Red seems like a lot of kind of like-minded people too. Um, we've had at least one other former purebred person. I apologize if I'm missing anybody. Jenny, I don't think you ever worked with her, was on the show before. But it seems like it attracts um, kind of a crowd of people living abroad as well. I mean, I think they do kind of hire. It's, it's that kind of work environment that people come and go. Yeah. Like cycle through. People travel, work there for six months, go, and kind of, it's, everyone's kind of, yeah, the same age group, and that's mm -hmm. a good aspect. You meet people who come into the store as well. There was good customers, and that's yeah. what I wanted from it. Like, a, I got what I wanted, like a social job, yeah, and met people. Cool. So I got to ask you, um, this might be a little bit of uh, just a stupid, selfish indulgent question but uh what was your first impression of sabine my girlfriend when you first met her doing that job um were, were you working there before her i was yeah I think okay i can remember the uh i just thought she was she was a really nice girl she was really quiet yeah she seems to be a lot less shy she seemed shy to me when i first met her that's what my first impressions were she was quiet and 
yeah, I think she was a, she was just a, yeah a great person to have on the team. She knew what she was doing, and yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put me on the spot. Oh no, 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 no. She doesn't care. She doesn't listen to this. She's also in the the only. It's funny. She only listens to this podcast by overhearing us. <laughs> Record it in oh, her living room now. She yeah. knows that. No, I know. I love her too. But um, anyways, how long... So y- you guys worked together for a few years, right? Or Yeah. I, um, I just kind of got sick of it working there. Yeah. I just had enough one day and just was like, I quit. And then wasn't working. So I managed to get another gig at another like, little cafe that was by Oppenheimer Park, which was... A completely different environment. Yeah. What cafe was that? It's called Uncommon. And uh, yeah, the owners were like just a, a, like a couple who were like late 30s, really nice. It was like an, un, uh, a commissary kitchen. So yeah. you could rent the kitchen and use it and people would come in and make like kombucha and salsa. And it was just a cool spot. And then... That is cool. Yeah, it was a I real... I think I've been in Uncommon before. Yeah, it's literally on the corner right by Oppenheimer. Yeah, I yeah. worked at a radio station not too far from there, and we went for a walk one day. It's right in Railtown, so yeah, there's like I think Herschel's based around there, and mm-hmm. there's some I think Aritzia. They would come in say, the shop. They were they were kind of like yeah, the main lunch crowd is what it would get. Like, yeah the bulk of its business from yeah i worked literally across the gi- giant complex of those two like massive corporations yeah. um, in this tiny little radio station it's a cool little spot it's a cool yeah. part of town i like, like it that. is That's um yeah very like it's weirdly upscale business for where it is a lot of kind of yuppie people yeah it's a, it's a weird kind of like can't think what the word it's a weird like mixture of the two yeah. coming together i think they're trying to kind of i see these signs trying yeah. to make it the most walkable street in 2022 or something like that we saw that <sighs> the other day and i think yeah yeah think it's just yeah gentri- gentrification and just it's, trying to clear yeah. it out yeah it's like the gentrified downtown east side it's like they're trying to take too big of a leap forward with what that area truly is but i i don't know i love that part of town a lot yeah. of fond memories there. A lot of early Vancouver memories for myself being in Railtown. Yeah, it's a nice spot. Yeah. And yeah, I did that for, I think that was a, a just six or so months before I went back home. My visa was running out in the January. So mm-hmm. I managed to snag myself an Irish passport. My mother's Irish. So okay, I was like, didn't have the quality, like, I didn't have the skills or anything to go for PR. So mm-hmm. I um, yeah, managed to get myself an Irish passport and keep myself in the EU as well. Good stuff. Yeah. Double whammy. So um, you went for the Irish passport. How quick was that turnaround then um, from the, the one here running out to... Um, I got my Irish passport... Um, it must have been about a month before, but I'd already so- already decided that I was going to go home, yeah, and spend some time at home for. I was there for six months. Yeah, six months. I went home for and just I was like, I'll go home, f- just enjoy being there, 
I hadn't lived in Birmingham for like 10 years. So I was like, I'm going to live at home, save some money. Yeah. I planned to go. I was going to go to South America initially. That was like, I'm going to go home, travel to South America, then make my way back to Vancouver. But we just changed our plans. Larissa was like, I'm going to come out to Europe. So I was like, well, we'll do Europe. You've never been. We'll come out and we'll go and do Mm -hmm. like, we trained across Europe and that was another cool adventure to do. So I was going to say, talking about my girlfriend working at Purebred, you also met your girlfriend, Larissa. Yeah. My friend uh, working at, working at that bakery. We did indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been good. It's been good. It's been good to me. Yeah. I can't complain. No, Purebred, it's uh, met nothing, almost nothing, nothing but good people. There you go. Coming out of that bakery. There you go. Um, the people better than the baked goods these days. Anyways, um, that's cool. So how how long were you uh, back back at home in England before Larissa came out there to, to visit? It must have been, yeah, it was about five months. And we just, we agreed, I'll go home and then you can, we'll come out and then just, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was coming back, but we just... We uh we planned to go Europe, so we was doing mm-hmm. it over Skype at weird times in the afternoon and morning yeah. with the eight hour time difference and as yeah. it happens. Yeah. And then she came out in May. I think it was May, mid May. Yeah. Yeah. So that was yeah. Cool. Good trip. And uh we went to Budapest and trained all the way across to Rome, which was Amazing. Yeah, beautiful. And then flew to Barca. And then back to sunny Birmingham. Amazing. That's cool. Um, that, that must be an interesting experience, like bringing, bringing a girlfriend to, um, to your home city kind of in a completely different context like that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm from Kelowna, which isn't too far away, and, but it wasn't much longer than a couple months or whatever before I had Sabine back there and showed her the things that meant something to me or whatever. But, like, you know, having a having a girlfriend and showing them around, you know, your home city like that. Like, what was that like? That was really, it was really cool, actually. It was, like, nice yeah. to go and revisit these places, not through, like, my, pers- my perspective. Well, through my perspective, but just telling her about it, too. And, mm-hmm. yeah, seeing seeing her enjoy it as well. Like, and yeah, that's when I was, like, because she was, like, it's so green. It's all these parks and I was like you're right like I've never really noticed that so I was like learning stuff that's cool through her exploring the place too and yeah it was great and taking her to the pub and meeting my dad's friends who introduced her to black pudding even though she's vegetarian she was I'd have to try some of that it's blood sausage basically yeah congealed blood so she ate that which was a bit (laughs) of a shock (laughs) oh man when traveling, I suppose it's... Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Um, I, uh, yeah, that is that is fun, though. Like, even going back to, to Kelowna a couple times a year with Sabine usually once a year um, and finding the new things. I mean, that's an ever-changing city, too. But it's, uh, it's cool kind of rediscovering your home city as an adult. Yeah, it's... It was it was nice to do, yeah. And like as I said, I was spending an extended period, like period yeah. of time there, so it was nice to be able to like 
go out with my brother, yeah. just go and see my nan. And But then I knew I was coming back at the same time, yeah. which was always in the back of my mind. So I didn't want to get a job that made me, made me want to settle down back there. Or mm-hmm. I was always like one eye on doing yeah. a trip and then coming back to Vancouver again to settle and eventually try and stay here for a, a period, like a, a big block of time. Yeah. Um, so so what did you do to keep busy while you were back home for that time? I was doing like exterior cleaning of all okay. things. <laughs> so like window cleaning and yeah, I was working with a crazy, crazy guy. Oh God, he was... He was the craziest person I've ever met. Really? Yeah. I just, I couldn't deal with him. I was going to go crazy, but I knew that it was yeah. short term. So, yeah, I just, I did that and just saved up and was planning like crazy to get out again. Mm-hmm. I kind of just wanted to, yeah, make as much money as I can and then yeah, get back. The jobs we do when we're in limbo, right? That's it. I've done the yeah. worst. It's actually kind of funny. Um, so you've done what a former guest, former purebred employee too. Shit, there it is. Um, Ryan. Some in those the baked goods. He, um, he, he's from Wales and his working visa here has expired and he's gone back home um, and he's got an Irish passport that he's hoping to come back with. It's a good, so, it's a good little loophole to do. I mean, if you've got yeah. that kind of like that means to do it through a parent and yeah. you, you don't have the right kind of like say a job sponsorship offer or a way yeah. of getting to stay here that little bit longer then I think it's worth exploring for anyone looking to do that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, can't believe I forgot about good old Ryan. He's technically been on the show twice before, but we lost one of the episodes he was on. But anyways, um, so you were doing the exterior cleaning and, uh, what, did it ever start to sink in that you maybe didn't want to leave home again? Um, cause never, you said it was always the plan, but I'm sure sometimes emotions take over. I mean, not, not, not really. No, I know like my parents are co- like, I've kind of felt that more recently more than I did then. Okay. Like kind of like the distance makes it feel like, oh, they're getting older, you know, when you see your parents or yeah. your grandparents. But I suppose I was a bit more desensitized to them. They were more annoying when I was there every day. As they always are. <laughs> when I was living there and like, it's not the biggest space. So I was kind of like, oh, I just need to get back to Canada. Things were a bit more relaxed and a bit more yeah. chilled out. I had my own space. I was doing my yeah. own thing. I wasn't under someone else's house. So, but obviously... I didn't I didn't ever feel like my plan was going to change to not come back here. Cool. Very cool. So you got your Irish passport is um re-entering Canada or is getting a working visa on on that any different than the the UK one? No, no, it was no. kind of I think it was easier if anything. There's less less people in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And they have more spaces available, so it was it was kind of Smooth sailing. Perfect. Yeah. Got back in, no problem. That's it. Sweet. Um, did you have a, another place set up to live when you got back? Uh, I didn't, know. I flew into... I had friends living in Fernie. Mm-hmm. And a, 
couple of friends who lived in Calgary. So I flew to Calgary and then we drove down to Fernie and I spent some time in Fernie over, it was Canada Canada Day weekend and it was, that yeah. was a beautiful place. I don't know if you've ever been out that way, but. Out to Fernie. It's such a cool little spot. Mikey's got a friend who lives in Fernie. I wonder, there's no way it would be the same person. Maybe but, not, uh, but I think everyone there, kind. it's such a small town, they'll have some yeah. form of kind of connection, I'm sure. I've never been out to Fernie, but I've been near that area. The Kootenays, right? That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah the Kootenays. Yeah, I grew up going to uh, Nakasp all the time. Have you ever made your way through there? No. It's a village of about less than a thousand people. It's where my grandparents have lived my whole life. Oh, nice. My grandparents and my cousins. Great okay. little town. I'll check it out next time when we're yeah. in that area. Yeah, it's beautiful. Right on the lake, the whole town. But uh, anyways, cool. So you went out to Fernie. That's it, Little yeah. interior of British Columbia <laughs> yeah, action. I thought I'd go, well, I was like, I might as well go in. I, I wasn't working. Yeah. I've got this time. I might as well go in, see a bit more of Canada mm-hmm. that I haven't seen and go and check yeah. out some new spots as well. So How how crazy is it? Did Did it take you long to like not be blown away by the fact that, so by driving, if you were to drive from Fernie to Vancouver, you'd probably be driving twice over like the width of England. Yeah, like 10 hours I think that drive yeah. is. Yeah, I think you could get to, I think you'd probably be in like south, like Spain if you drove for that long from England. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's no, crazy. British it's, Columbia is like four times the size of Great Britain Yeah, or it's, something like that. The scale's just crazy. And then obviously when you're here in the landscape and the mountains, it's like, holy shit. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. The, the difference in like, we have like, we have beautiful landscapes in England, rolling hills and whatnot and mm-hmm. nice quaint villages, but nothing like these huge lakes and huge mountains you have here, which is always takes my breath away. Even from downtown Vancouver looking out your window now. Yeah. It's just never gets old or boring. It really know. doesn't. It's a it's a great it's a great backdrop. Um so after leaving Fernie, is that where you got to the place you are now? Your place now? Um I stayed, my friends had a spare bedroom and they live out in Kits. Okay. And it was a beautiful time of year to be living in Kits, close to the beach and nice. close to the pool. And they were like, you can stay as long as you need. And I'm really grateful for that. But mm-hmm. me and Larissa decided we'll try and find a place of our own. And that's when I became a, a dog stepdad. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to bring up Oliver actually a little bit earlier yeah i posted on the instagram today um that we've got oliver's co-owner on the show he's this big beautiful mix of a dog um and when you guys were in europe uh he actually stayed here for a while i bet you he loved that yeah oh he's great (laughs) we've got this uh kind of funny bond with him now he gets very excited whenever he sees sabine especially he does it. He did it on Sunday. He just, yeah. you know, he sees you guys and his tail's gone and he's off. He yeah. shoots over to you guys. Like, yeah. I mean, we're lucky enough to live like our units dog friendly. So we've kind of became the default pet sitters to a number of our friends. We've had dogs and cats and all kinds of, well, at one point there was two cats, a dog and a hedgehog all staying in this apartment. We were looking after for Sounds different like Dr. people. Doolittles. For real, like <laughs> felt like owning a fucking pet shop in here. It was crazy, but um, how did it smell? 
Uh, I think the cats are probably the worst for it. It was a, it was a small little dog and the hedgehog didn't really do much. Shouts out Hazel if Caitlin and Wolf are listening. But anyways, um, yeah, um, being a dog, cat, whatever, friendly apartment, um, it's a rarity in this city. And yeah, we got, it's super difficult to find, yeah. like looking at listings, you, you can never really like, yeah, they're always like, and, and, and if they are pet friendly, they're like, it has to be a certain size, mm-hmm. it needs to have like, be approved, it needs to, I think we had to have, um. Like a pet CV almost. It was the most wow. bizarre thing I've seen. I've never even heard of it. <laughs> we had to write like Oliver a CV <laughs> and have it authorized. I was like, That's so funny. this is the stupidest. All right, Oliver. Yep. Put on your business collar. Okay. You're going for an interview. <laughs> like, I like walking. I yeah. like treats and I like naps. Like what more can it be? Yeah. <laughs> Favorite food, chicken. That's it. Well, yeah. that scratched the floors. <laughs> it was it was silly, but like that's the things you have to do to oh, try. And f- well, it's the first like limiter that because I mean any landlord posts a unit up for rent and they get a hundred applications in a day, so it's like the first barrier to entry they can put up where it's like no smoking, no pets. It's just the first thing they can say to be like thin the herd. Yeah, that goes back to actually when we first moved here. Mm-hmm. Me and Mark, we went to a few like open house kind of like looking for a place and you, yeah. you, you just go in there and the, you, you just get the vibe that they, they really don't want you there or like mm-hmm. this place isn't for you kind of thing, which is fair enough, but it just made us feel like, God, it's such a difficult place to actually find somewhere to live and yeah. settle, settle basically here. It's a hard, it's a hard city to do that in. Yeah. Yeah, it can be. I mean, for a city that so many people choose to move to from around the world, it, uh, has a tendency to be a little bit unwelcoming. Yeah. And and that's, yeah, and especially to get back onto the dog, like yeah. it was, yeah, difficult to find a place that was willing to accept me, Larissa, our roommate, Sarah, and the dog. Like they were a bit, bit kind of like thrown off by that fact. Yeah. Yeah. Big mismatched family. That's but, it. um, that's, uh, that, I mean, I feel like weird matches like that can actually be strangely beneficial in the housing market because that's such a unique blend where it's like not too many places are a fit, but they're not too much of a fit for anybody else either. So you kind of can. Yeah. And the landlady was really nice. She was yeah. like, she didn't charge us extra for the dog. She, we met her for a coffee and just done it over, like kind of just sat here like this, you know, just yeah. had a drink and just chatted and she was super friendly and just kind of was like, yeah, this is my place. I own it. You're more than sign here. Pay me this amount a month and we're all good. Perfect. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, you can you can get pretty lucky with certain living situations here. I've weirdly been privileged to never have to struggle too much for a place, but I've only ever been in places pretty long-term in Vancouver too. Yeah. So... I've really only ever been in, this is my second place I've been in here. So it's a nice place to be. Not, uh, yeah, not too, not too bad at all. I definitely landed on my feet here. Anyways, (laughs) um, cool. So Jack, you might be, um, getting, getting now, you know, you're, you're situated with your dog and your funny little family in East Van now. Um, you might be the first federal employee we've had on this podcast 
Um, unless I'm, again, gravely mistaken, we've had a lot of guests on this show now. Um, I don't think we've had any federal employees. I mean, we always give our shouts out to, uh, you know, the, the Canadian, uh, the Canadian government. We know they listen. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, uh, what, what do you do? So you've, you've got an interesting job now. You're not working in the commissary kitchen anymore. No, no, I'm a mailman now, which it sounds funny. You're a mailman. It sounds funny when you say it's a federal position (laughs) because... You always think of like high up government officials, but no. Just, hey, man. Just your regular everyday mailman. Yeah. Is, yeah, but I'm federal, so be careful. That's pretty cool. <laughs> no, I've always, I've always loved the, uh, the postal service. Um, not as a band, but uh, as a, uh, as, you know, kind of a, a tax paying service. Um, I mean, it's a necessary one. Yeah. And I mean, People say it's dying, but judging by the amount of posts we get and parcels, I'm just, yeah, it doesn't feel like that. Case, that's the case, and keeps you busy. That's it. Five days a week. That's it. It's Monday to Friday, and it keeps me fit as well, which is that's awesome. Yeah, I love it to be honest. I mean, especially being from a different country, it make like mm. I kind of have a a weird kind of sense of pride to say that. I mean, I know it's only a mailman, but. If I'm going to do some, I'll do some at the best I can. And I like putting the uniform on and yeah. it makes me feel good. I enjoy the job and yeah, I like it. It's, it's good. That's really cool. What made you want to be a mailman? Um, I didn't want to clean windows anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I didn't want to have to deal with customers too often. I mean, I still have to deal with them, yeah. but you're kind of on your own. You're just out there. You can do your do your bit inside for two hours, sort the mail, sort your parcels, and then you just kind of, you're out there on your own and it takes as long as it takes as well. Some days longer than mm-hmm. others, but I applied just because I was window cleaning here as well, just because it was, I could just jump into the, that work. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to be doing this like full time through the winter i know i'm still working outside but being up a 40 foot ladder in the cold cleaning someone's gutters is not fun no and i was just overdoing that so i applied on a whim and got through and then did the online tests and then yeah had to do this weird medical where they made you put on i went to richmond on the sky train yeah (laughs) to this like weird (laughs) medical place and it was like a gym Okay. And they kind of made me do these weird exercises where I didn't, well, maybe, yeah. And I put like, they make you put like a bag on, like a Canada Post satchel and put weights in <laughs> and take, and make you walk and take the weights out the longer you go. It really? Was, yeah. So you had like, you done the, and done like lift up this box, <laughs> lift up it. So it's like a secret government training facility for postmen. Post well, people, just to see you, you could you could do the job. I think that's hilarious. Over. Because I have a friend, and she recently did the physical test for the military, and she described a very similar thing. She wasn't in a a, a, a medical gym in Richmond. She was out in a field somewhere, but she said it was the same thing. That you know you you jog half a kilometer or whatever with a backpack on and then you pick up a heavier backpack and you keep going. This is the mailman version. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just... Stra- You're out there in the trenches. That's it, man. It was it was strange. It was strange to do. I was just kind of like, why if I don't pass this? And then what's it like? And then, yeah, you have to do... 
a week of training that's mm-hmm. paid, but then if you don't get through that, then you don't get the job. So they pay you. They were paying people, but then if you don't pass it, yeah, you'll be, yeah, just looking for a new job, basically. How do you fail your first week of training as a mailman? I feel like it, like, I, I mean, not to, not to discount what you do, but it seems like a pretty straightforward job. They, they make you do like a test where you sort mail into a case in a set time and you have to get a set amount in a set time, basically. Okay. So I think that Dang. was it. I, high, I, high, high, high intense stuff, mate. High intense. I didn't know that Intensity. there was such a such a uh, tryout process. <laughs> you 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 male folk are a, an elite breed. That's it. You got to be on these yeah. mean streets. Uh, they don't they don't let just anybody carry our post. <laughs> That's cool. I'm I'm happy that my tax dollars are going towards well well trained employees. There you go. Yeah. Um. So, you do you stick to a set neighborhood? Um. On your on your postage routes, or do you do you switch it up? No, I'm relief. I'm a relief worker, so I'm in one station, and then if someone's sick or on holiday, I will cover their route. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes on seniority, so I don't really get a pick. And yeah, I just kind of I'm either based in East Vancouver, around Kingsway and Nanaimo and Clark, mm-hmm. or I'm over Granville Island, Shaughnessy. So it's quite a nice. Nice. You get a, a, a real different kind of... And there's enough people sick or on holidays to keep you busy full-time? Generally, yeah. I mean, some days when there's not enough work, you can get sent out. Mm-hmm. And that could be anywhere in the metropolitan Vancouver area, which you don't really want to get sent out too often. I was going to say, what, what's, what's as far as you can get sent out? Um, it could be... North Van, Richmond, Burnaby, which it's not super far, but like you'd, okay. you'd rather be working somewhere you've got at least a, a small f- familiarity with. They're not sending you to Langley. No, no. Okay. No. That's good. That'd be, that wouldn't be good. That's good. That's good. They're not sending you there. Cool. So um, on this show, I mean, it's been well documented before that we like to talk about the different neighborhoods of Vancouver. At one point we ranked... There's 23 official recognized neighborhoods in Vancouver. We rank the top floor, uh, the top four. We like to do a, a Mount Rushmore, so to speak, if you were to make a Mount Rushmore of Vancouver neighborhoods. Um, do you, well, I mean, being that you see them on a pretty intimate basis, walking through them and stuff, uh, do you have any preferences on neighbors or neighborhoods in Vancouver? Um, I don't I, have like a number one. I'll have no? like a number one for like two months and then it will change to a different one. So okay. um, I love like not necessarily delivering mail in either. I mean, like just going to hang out. I love East Village, you know, Nanaimo and uh, Hastings where... Hastings Sunrise, yeah, that's a good one. Hast- East Village where What's Up Hot Dog, yeah. Red Cat, the Brighton. Yeah. yeah, that kind of area just to... I love going thrifting up there, grabbing a drink, grabbing a bite to eat. I yeah. got my hair cut up there the other day. I, mean, I think I fought for that one to be on our top four, but I'm not sure if it quite made the cut. Yeah, there's not like loads up there, but it's just nice to go up there and there's cool stuff to do. And yeah, there's parks. You're close to New Brighton Park as well, which yep. is cool. Like the outdoor pool there in the summer's great. And yeah, I just love cycling up there because it's so close to my house as well. Yeah. 
Well, it's a gorgeous area. Don't get me wrong. The PNE is right there too. Yeah, yeah. I have. mean, if if you care about that, but yeah, I mean, it has got some alright shows there. The yeah. skate contest, the Vans one that they have is cool, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good just to have stuff in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. A lot of good music venues out that way too. Yeah, kind of. I mean, beside the PNE might be one of my least favorite ones, but a lot of good like kind of more music clubs out there. Yeah, I love. Well, free, free, free. That was on Clark in Hastings. Yeah, that's gone. But that was such a great little DIY spot. Like just people. Yeah, I never just, got to go there. I know. Yeah, but Pat's Pub is just just kind of outside of there. Yeah, not the, quite. The Astorias, but that was Astoria, yeah. downtown kind of. But yeah, even um, like the Waldorf, little again a little further down. But yeah, I went to. It's like a punk festival there but it was in a tiki room so it looked kind of strange that's funny <laughs> like punk bands playing in front of like fake palm trees but it was <laughs> it was a fun show that's pretty sweet though yeah i like punk i, I like the idea of a punk show in a tiki bar it, it worked it yeah. really did work yeah it was cool sweet and then obviously commercial drive i live around there so yeah it's so handy just to pop out and get groceries and yeah. go out for a bite to eat and I love that area living and working around yeah. there and yeah commercial has is the best place to buy produce in Vancouver yeah it's kind of a boring a boring favorite thing for there to be but uh everyone needs to eat right yeah you can't go Safeway all the time you'll have no money left no no and in my neighborhood all of the all of the produce stands have been replaced with big name grocery stores not a whole lot in terms of local around here. But here's great as well. This will be on my Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah. Mount Pleasant. I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I can, I, you know, sing the praises of Mount Pleasant all the time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Up here is, yeah, around this area is one it, of the best places to come out. Yeah. Eating, drinking, shopping. Yeah. Just general walking about, having a browse library's right there like it's perfect terrific location nothing yeah. to complain about really no. but uh yeah so uh and then you're you're in shaughnessy and granville island area sometimes too yeah delivering around there the uh all the mansions get to see how the other half live yeah i'm not sure if this is a federal offense to talk about but uh are they like pretty substantial packages getting dropped off at the uh at those mansions or <laughs> I couldn't say really. No? I, don't, I don't know what's in them yet. No. I'd, I'd say people over the east side buy more though. You just, I don't know what yeah. it is. People have just worked out how to buy stuff on Amazon every day and okay. I don't know where they get their money from. Like it's crazy yeah. how people buy so much stuff, but it keeps me in a job so I can't complain. That's, yeah. That's it. Um, yeah, one of our one of our neighbors in this building, I swear that there's an Amazon package in front of her door every single day. What are they buying? I don't know. I don't Amazon see. or grocery delivery sometimes or, you know, like beauty products. You can see just on the cardboard box, it's branded. And I'm like, holy shit. More money being dropped. I guess so. <laughs> That's funny. So um, any any funny stories from being a mailman? Oh, it's not to put you on the spot, but I mean, I'm sure, you know, it's a job where you said you don't interact with too many people, but I'm sure some funny stuff has came up. 
Been oh. chased by any dogs? Oh, dogs are the the number one. They yeah they yeah. There's one house that I try. When I'm on a particular route, I try and get to the door mm-hmm. b- before it can hear me because sometimes if it hears the gate, it'll start barking. Yeah. So I try and get the mail in the slot and down the stairs before it's even realised I'm there. <laughs> and that's a little game I play. Yeah. And there's one that pokes its head out of like a, it's like a cat flap. So mm-hmm. you have to be careful. So I always try and get up there and beat yeah. it to the cat flap. Well, <laughs> you're, you're their natural enemy, the mailman. We are, they yeah. go crazy. Honestly, that's the, the, it's not a myth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you're a stranger going onto their yard. I, I never had a mailman. I never had a male person growing up. We had a, we had a, like a, there was a corner store. The, the, on the boxes. Yeah. In there. yeah. An outdoor box. Yeah. Yeah. Mom would stop on the way home from wherever. Get they the mail. Tr- they tried to bring those in. I think the conservatives did, but. I mm-hmm. think as soon as Trudeau got in, he kiboshed that. So I'm glad he would have put, maybe not yeah. not have kept me in a job. That would not be nearly as funny. They're just driving to a fucking metal box and loading it up every day. Well, that's it. If someone got in that box as well. I didn't realize it was that political. Oh, the conservatives <laughs> tried to do that. <laughs> yeah. But Trudeau saved the humble mailman. That's it. The fed, This federal line of work. Yeah. I don't mean to keep saying mailman either. Sorry, listeners. I uh, most before Jack, all of the all of the postage people I knew personally uh, were female. So, anyways, okay. But uh, <laughs> um, that's cool. Any other funny stories, non dog related? I'm trying to uh, not off the top of my head. No, I kind of live a, a very just put a podcast on. Yeah, and just go just. That's how you do it. That's how I do it. Yeah. That's how you do it. It's funny. Speaking of listening to podcasts, a podcast you didn't listen to. You said you didn't want to listen to any living a broadcast before doing this. No, I didn't want to have my. I didn't want to see what the format was. <laughs> I didn't want to hear what anyone else had said before. I wanted to just go in <laughs> without having to compare myself to someone. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Yeah, no, I it, didn't want to be like, oh, mine was worse or better uh, or anything you're like doing that. Great. I just wanted to go in blind and just try and. Yeah. Just, yeah, go go through it. This is what it is. Um, yeah. So, mailman. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, um, and it'll be kind of a, we'll see where this discussion goes, but um, especially because it's just a two-person show tonight. But I wanted to talk about tattoos with you because uh, you've got a fair few yeah. And um, James and Mikey both have tattoos as well. Um, are your tattoos travel related at all? Um, I'd say a few of them are, yeah, definitely. I have a few, fr- well, mainly from where I've lived and places I've spent mm-hmm. long periods of time. So I've got a good one for you. For instance, my postcode from home, so I'll yeah. never get lost. So Jack's that was before I, I was a mailman as well. Yeah, <laughs> so R- rolled up the cuff of his pants. Is it, what's that say? It says B thirty two. B thirty two. And yeah, we just got some Indian ink one night back in the yeah. day and just dotted it in. Was that your first one? Um, it wasn't my first one, no. But it was my say my first one, like to do with yeah. a location. Was your first tattoo done the same way though? Oh no, no, it wasn't. No. Okay. No, we just. I don't even know why we did it. We just got like a needle 
boiled some hot water on a stove, yeah. dipped it in, and just went for it. Went for it, B32. B32. So that was Birmingham or Sheffield? That's Birmingham. And then for Sheffield, I've got... Okay. I've got the Yorkshire Rose, which is like the, the flower or the, the symbol of Yorkshire with my nice. best friend's initials underneath. Shout out, Chris Franklin. That's awesome. Yeah, we both got matching tattoos from when we lived there. And yeah. I nearly passed out during, even though it's so small. I didn't eat anything, so I nearly passed out while this happened, this one. It's only tiny yeah. for people listening. It's we'll post some photos of these. Uh, we'll post some photos of these later on. I've got a couple hometown tattoos as well. I've got a quail on my forearm um, for the ones, my yard in Kelowna, and then I've got my whole house on my shoulder oh, too. Is that your actual... Yeah, the house I grew up in. Have nice. you seen that one? I've seen it. Yeah, I didn't know Yeah, it was the house you grew up in. The house I grew up in, the kind of front and backyards and uh, my dad's cars in the back and all that. That's cool. Yeah. And then my Vancouver one is uh, it's like a Douglas fir. Okay. A classic. But that's another good story, actually. I was in Purebred mm-hmm. and I was working and this lady came up to me. She must have been about mid to late 60s and was like you need to cover your arm you need more i was like what she was like here's my son's card he's a tattoo artist that's awesome and i was like okay i'll check him out like she was really friendly and nice she was a regular and i looked online and his stuff was cool so i was like Mm -hmm. you know what i'm gonna i'll I'll shoot him an email that's cool and uh, yeah so later like a regular who came in who's whose son was a tattoo artist. Yeah. Got him some extra work. That's awesome. Yeah. Where does he tattoo? It was mm-hmm. in the Dominion building. You know that? Yeah. On the corner of Hastings and Camby, I think it is. Yeah, right in Gastown. Yeah, there. it's a beautiful kind of like old orange brick building. Yeah. It was Yeah, it was in there. Yeah, one time the tallest commercial building in the British Empire. The Dominion building. Jesus. Anyways. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> got the facts coming out now. Um, I I had a funny story about like kind of a somebody telling me about a tattoo thing and then it almost resulted in something. I was a lifeguard back in Kelowna for a while. And so naturally with people's bodies being quite exposed, you see a lot of good tattoos. Well, well actually a whole, uh, a whole range of tattoos. Um, but, uh, there was this one guy, he was a regular, he'd just come in and swim laps and he had this gigantic dragon tattoo on his back. And over the course of several months, like he'd have different parts of it more, more and more finished. Like it was just the black and white outline and then gradually got more color. But I would ask him about it sometimes if I noticed some progression and he's like, oh yeah, like I go to Vancouver, you know, every few months I'm friends with the artist. We hang out for a weekend. She does it and... um then I got off my shift that day and one of the girls at the front desk was like, oh, hey, um, one of the people who was here earlier, t- earlier today left something for you. And it was this business card for this uh, tattoo place called Electric Lady Lux Tattoo. I don't think I've it's heard, too far from yeah, where you live. Yeah, I've, I, I've heard of it's, it. It's on the drive. Yeah, yeah, I know where it and is. Then yeah. one night, um, this was about a year after getting that business card. I wasn't living in Vancouver yet, but I was down here visiting, I was seeing a comedy show at the Rio or something, but I was drunk on commercial drive coming back from this show and walked by electric lady Lux tattoo, having no 
idea where this place was, but I'm like, holy shit, I've got this business card in my wallet. And had it been open, I didn't have any tattoos yet, but I almost definitely would have gone in and tried to get something. That's it, yeah. Did yeah. Come by it on chance. Just exactly. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, but none of my tattoos uh, were from anywhere foreign, particular. I, I got them all in Vancouver. Yeah. The four that I have. Um, I know. Where did you go? I went, my first one I got on my leg, um, kind of a on a whim decision. I knew that summer I wanted to get a tattoo. Fell in love with this artist. Um, his name is Chinatown Strop Key on Instagram. <laughs> Pretty famous account. And uh, he was just posting flash pieces. First person to email gets the tattoo. Nice. So I did it and went to this like loft apartment in Gastown. He has a private studio. Got it done there. Um, cool. And then the rest have been done at Black Medicine Tattoo by different artists. Gastown. Um, just Chinatown. Okay. Yeah. Just on Pender there. Um, very hyper-specific Vancouver locations for you (laughs) folks listening from out of town. But, um, I know that James and Mikey, the, uh, the other co-hosts have gotten some funny travel tattoos too. While abroad, James has some small ones on his arms. Um, he's got one on each wrist and he's got a nautical star he got in Thailand when he was like in his maybe late teens, early 20s. Um, And then on another trip, and both in very drunk states, he got a question mark tattooed on his wrist. Uh, I've never never done anything like the old holiday, had too many drinks, just go in and get... Nah. That's some... People in Britain do it. They'll go to like (laughs) somewhere in the south of Spain on a lads group holiday and end Mm -hmm. up getting like pair of lips on their bum or yeah like yeah it's it's i've got no no funny travel ones as such no. like that yeah i got a can of rainier beer okay my time drinking it in seattle but that's not awesome in seattle i just got the can of rainier tattooed for was that when you were here that was here i thought nice. i'd get a, a nice northwest brew on my arm cool i don't think i've ever had a can of rainier it's not the best no, it's PBR, but in a different can. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> I like PBR, so maybe I'd enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then Mikey's got kind of a funny pair of tattoos um, as well. They're on each of his feet, and uh, he's got Western Australia on one foot to remind him of home, I guess. Like the B thirty two. Yeah. In case he ever gets lost or something like that, he can just look down at his feet and he has a map home. I don't know. And then the other one that I think is really funny was uh, he actually lived in a house of like nine people in Shaughnessy. Um, and a bunch of, I think, primarily Australians, but there was a big mix in there. And they had a pool. And he told me that one day they were all drinking and lounging by this pool they had at this house in Shaughnessy. And they were all discussing it would be a good idea to get the key to their front door tattooed somewhere on their body. And then he was the only person who ended up doing it. So he's got a key tattooed. I've just, I've just on his front door. You've just reminded me. I do actually have one. Uh Oh, yeah. It's a cup of coffee. Yeah. That I got done in. It was the same time I went to Florida. Okay. And 
we was at this festival and during the day we was like, let's just go get a cup of coffee tattooed. I don't know. We just love drinking drip coffee from the mug. So we yeah. went and got it done. So that's my one. You know, that's a tattoo I've considered many times. I want to get some kind of coffee adjacent tattoo, but I feel like it's so done at this point. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it was 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. Just some big hairy biker in Gainesville, Florida. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'll take a cup of coffee, please. Yeah. He, was, <laughs> he literally was like, just put your leg cross legged. So I just sat there like this. Yeah. And then just did it just off my own leg. I was like, this is, is this okay? No, he was like, it's fine. Looked that's pretty awesome. sketchy, but yeah, that's the one. They remember. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I, I haven't, well, I've got a, I've got this like potted plant on a table here. I didn't put a whole lot of thought into. I just replied one day again. I kind of find a, a lot of these artists on Instagram and whatever. And if they post a piece that I like, I'll. Try to go for it. It's but, the best way. Uh, yep. That's it. That's all mine. Not, I've not really fought too much. It's just been right. What's I'll, the point? I'll do it. Get it done. Yep. And then think about it later. Exactly. And clearly the government hired you. So how bad? <laughs> that's always been a stupid thing, hey? People's perception of tattoos. I like to think that that's mainly, mostly gone away. I think it definitely has now. There's not too many jobs you can't get no. with, with tattoos. I mean, there's a lot of people I work with who are completely covered yeah. almost, you know. So there's a lot of cool people that I've met through the post office and stuff. So That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there's... I don't think that kind of affects your ability to do the job, so... No. No. Were you ever told that growing up, though? My parents were always like, you're never going to get a decent job if you've got tattoos or... My mom one time, she, she's a teacher and she's like, I swear I got this job over the other girl because she had more experience than me and whatever, but she had a tattoo on her arm and I didn't. And that's why I edged her out. And I'm well, like, when I was yeah. window cleaning a concert, my mom was like, I told you when I was 40 feet up in the air cleaning yeah. gutters, like you shouldn't have had them tattoos. Look what you're doing now. <laughs> but no, no. I don't Look think. at you now. You're a government employee. I'll take it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that uh, that pretty much covers uh, covers things um, that I wanted to talk about. You're out here. Um, you're enjoying Canada. Um, yeah. Are you staying foreseeably? Or yeah, just in the process of going for PR at the minute. We're just we're, nice. We're just been talking about it this evening. Actually, just got to get my paperwork. It does a lot of mm -hmm. paperwork involved and. In, a lot of bureaucracy and stuff like that. But I understand yeah. just trying to get PR for another country. So it's going to be a bit of a process. But yeah. I'm still in the in the stages of just collating all my files and getting everything in order before I can move on to the next stage, basically. Good stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I mean... I think we've had quite a few guests who are sort of in that in that same process, and I can definitely sympathize. It's a tough time. Yeah, it's it's not so much it being tough. It's just well, annoying when you get in from work or have to do it on the weekend. You're just yeah. like, oh. Feels like homework. That's it, yeah. Not, yeah. not the fun stuff either. Cool. Well, um, 
I mean, best of luck with that. I'm, I'm sure we'll, uh, we always like to give a little updates on people and their progress and stuff. And I'm sure I can feel we, you s- we see each other enough. That's uh, it, on sun- our s- Sunday walks. Yeah. Yeah. So listeners, uh, Jack and I, the last several Sundays now take this big dog we've talked about and go for a walk. Um, us and our girlfriends and, uh, go explore different, different parts of this great big city. We've been out in East Van and Strathcona and Railtown area out to UBC this past weekend. So, and my favorite place that I've just discovered, what was it called again? Food, the, the sushi Fugia. place. Fujia. Oh, oh my gosh. I didn't know it existed until yeah. Eric gave me the heads up. I know. Well, this podcast is wildly popular, so uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll wait for Fujia to pay me before I talk about them a little that more in detail. A, that would be a good sponsorship. <laughs> that would be a terrific <laughs> sponsorship. Fujia. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, we'll have more adventures around this city though, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for talking. Uh, thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been great. It's been a long time coming. I think we've wanted to have you on the show since we started doing this. So. You've, asked, you've been asking me quite recently as yeah. well. So I was like, you know, I've got to give it a try. Get put in myself, here. Put myself out there. And Do it. Yeah. I'm just checking now to see if we've got any uh, listener listener feedback or submissions this week. Um, we always do a shouts out to the. Uh, to the folks out there. Um, and we got a really nice email. I was going to say. This, uh, this past week. I think I showed you one when we I were I was going to say, I just wanted, sorry to interrupt that oh, message no that that lovely girl sent you that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. You need to give her a shout out. Going to give her a shout out. I'm not going to read her whole message, but um, yeah, shout out to Irene in, uh, in Germany. She sent us a really lengthy, kind message. Um, kind of relating to the fact that she considers Northeast England um, sort of in the same regard as we consider Vancouver, very warmly, very at home. Um, And uh, yeah, just sent us a very nice message about the show. We also got another one um, from someone we're much more familiar with, and we love to hear from listeners, um, familiar or not, but our friend Wolf wrote in a very another heartfelt message. Uh, he says, um, hey, just writing to let you know that I miss you guys. Caitlin and I are in the Barossa Valley. They're in Australia right now, Southern Australia. Nice. And um, then he says, and we were previ- previously in the Clare Valley. All these wine tastings and breweries, and I got to thinking how great it would be if you were here to enjoy it with us. Love you guys. It's very, very kind, heartfelt. Very sweet. I know. Very sappy <laughs> this week. Last week, um, well, we didn't really have many emails, but the week before, uh, there's a feud. I, I talk about this every time between two people who write in. One's called the Podcast Pirate, um, shouts out, and one called the Broadcast Bandit. Podcast Pirate's a friend of mine. She works on yachts around the world. We never really know where she is. But they got into an email beef with each other. We don't know who this broadcast bandit person is. They write well-written poetry to us and stuff, and including one that said, fuck the podcast pirate. And it was this big, long poem. And then she, the podcast pirate, proceeded to send in a, a custom roll of toilet paper with the poem printed on it. I can show you after the show. We nice. posted about it on Instagram yeah, a couple weeks ago. It. It's hilarious, letting us know what she thought of this poem. 
It's, uh, I don't have Instagram as a, a frame of reference anymore, so I uh, can't see. So I have to rely on okay. other, other people showing me. That's what my my yeah. life has become now. I'm like, can I have a look at your Instagram? Secondhand Instagram. As opposed yeah. to having my own, yeah. So Yeah, it's how we do most of the correspondence <laughs> for the show. So anyways, um, yeah. Jack, um, I guess you can't follow us on Instagram. Anything you want to shout out before this uh, wraps up? Um. Just shout out to all the listeners. Yeah, thanks for yeah. listening. Yeah, thank you. And shout out to the listeners. Yeah, That's great. Yeah. Um, and, cool. th- and shout out to you for having me on. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, shout out on my own show. That's awesome. And to the uh, the other co-hosts who didn't quite make it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... The ghosts I in the room. I feel like I've been Clint Eastwood tonight talking, <laughs> t- talking to the two invisible <laughs> seats next to me just grasping for some frame of reference. But anyways, um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, guys, that's living a broadcast on Instagram, living a broadcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us emails, which nobody did this week, if you want to, um, get a, get at us on Twitter. Um, I don't do the Twitter anymore. I've handed the reins to Isabel who also doesn't do the Twitter. So, um, living abroad pod. If you want to see some tweets from three months ago, um, And uh, other than that, I've been Eric. Thank you again, Jack, for joining us. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening.